Let us turn together in God's precious word to the Gospel of Matthew and to the chapter 24. I'm sure as many would be aware, uh, the chapter 24 of Matthew uh, speaks to us on that great subject of the Lord's second coming. We want to move down Matthew 24, and we'll take up our reading at the verse 36. Matthew chapter 24 and the verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. We land there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Amen. As we take our seats, let us turn together in God's word to Matthew chapter 24. And we have read just the final section, really, of this chapter. And this evening in the gospel, I've indicated I want to speak on the Lord's return. And this is a tremendous chapter in relation to that great truth. And I would want to focus my thoughts around the verse 44, Matthew 24 and the verse 44. And the Savior says, Therefore be ye also ready, 
For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Let us unite our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our eternal God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee that Thou hast told us to be careful or to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, where the letter requests be made known unto God. And we come to Thee, our Father, with that desire and with that request tonight, Lord, that Thou wouldst meet with us in a very definite way tonight as we come, O God, around the open book. And we want to look, O God, very simply tonight at the great fact, the great truth that the Lord is coming back again. But, O Lord, apply that truth to each and to every heart. Make it, O God, a means tonight of encouragement to the child of God, that blessed hope, that great prospect that lies before each one of us. But, O Lord, use it tonight as a challenge to the unconverted. There may even be here tonight some soul that is not right before God. Father, we pray that thou wouldst take thy word and apply it by the power of thy spirit and glorify thy name in and through us this night. For we ask these things in the Savior's most precious and worthy name. Amen. Well, the subject under consideration in Matthew chapter 24 is indeed that great truth, that wondrous truth, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again into this world. If you were to go to almost the beginning of chapter 24 and you look into the third verse, you can see the question that the disciples put to the Savior. It tells us there in verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And in chapter 24, and indeed also in chapter 25, the Lord Jesus Christ sought to give an answer to that question that came from the disciples. And the Lord begins to refer to different events that are going to take place. And he speaks of things that are going to unfold in the lead up to his coming back again. And all of the details are given there in these verses in chapter 24, given by the Savior in relation to that great day. We took up a reading in the verse 36, and you can see that the Savior there at the commencement of verse 36 is referring to that day. And he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. And the Lord is referring to that great day when he is coming back again. There are many other scriptures 
in the Word of God that would relate to that great day, the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the Old Testament Scriptures, indeed you could go all through the Bible, but just to mention one or two of those various places in the Bible where the Lord speaks about that day. The book of Zechariah, the end of the Old Testament, the chapter 14. And we read these words in the opening verse of that chapter. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. The day of the Lord cometh. And it speaks again of that day in the verse 4 of that chapter. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. You go into verse 8 of that chapter. It says, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. And also in the verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. And so when you think of the writings here of Zechariah, and he too is pointing to the day of the Lord, and he's speaking about it as that day. That day. The New Testament scriptures, just to take there, by way of example, the words in Second Thessalonians and the chapter 2. And there the Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he writes about that great day. The opening verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, just to take the verses 2 and 3. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And so the Apostle Paul makes reference to that day, and he adds a little detail concerning that day. It's going to be a day of apostasy. It's going to be a day of declension. It's going to be a day of turning away from the Lord. He's saying the day of the Lord will not come except there come a falling away first. Second Peter chapter 3 and the verse 10. Again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostle Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And I've just chosen a few references. You could go to numerous references to so many other places in God's Word that all point us to this particular day. God in his word would be calling our attention to that day. If you look in Matthew chapter 24, and some further details are given in the verses 30 and 31. It says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, 
And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see, they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And you see the references here that are given concerning that particular day. Just for a few moments in the gospel this evening, and very simply, I want us to consider that day. I want us to think about the Lord's return. And firstly, we think about the promise of the Lord's return. If you look just at that verse 44 that we're taking as our text for tonight, you can see the end of that verse. It says, the Son of Man cometh. That's the promise tonight. The Son of Man cometh. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is perhaps the greatest promise in the whole of Scripture. And it is promised to us in God's Word. The Savior himself has given us the promise. Even from his own lips, this most wonderful truth has come forth. John 14 is perhaps the best known promise. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen, I will come again. That's the promise. That's a promise from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You think of Acts chapter 1, it also records the promise for us. There it comes from the lips of an angel. The Lord Jesus Christ was received up into heaven, the ascension of the Lord. The clouds received the Lord, and he went out of sight. And then the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And there's the promise repeated for us. The promise is given there by the angels that stood by as the Lord ascended into heaven. And the promise is he's going to come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Again, the apostle Paul would underline the promise to us. And he said there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, but will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The promise promise of the Lord's return. 
And you can mark it out in those verses in 1 Thessalonians 4. There's the shall, that word shall. He shall return. The Lord shall descend from heaven. There's the shall of the resurrection. The dead in Christ shall rise. The shall of reunion will be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's a promise. And the reassurance, the shall of reassurance, so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, it's promised by the Lord himself. It has been repeated by an angel. It has been declared by the apostle Paul and by so many others in the word of God. And therefore, that promise of the Lord's return is a truth to encourage the hearts of God's people. And we look forward to that day. It was Fanny Crosby, and she penned the words of that hymn we were singing. And remember, she was blinded from a very early stage in her life. And yet she said in that third verse, watching, watching and waiting and looking above, Oh, she may not have been able to see with the physical eye, but she had that eye of faith. And she was looking. She was looking above and looking for the fulfillment of that great promise from the Lord. And we as believers in these days should be watching and waiting and looking above. Look with the eye of faith, because the Lord has promised it. The Lord has promised that he's coming back again. And as part of that promise, it's going to be a day of separation. You notice that in our Bible reading? You look at verse 40. It says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. In that day, that great day of the Lord, it's going to be a day of separation. It's going to be a day of division. One will be taken and the other will be left. That's the separation of the sheep and the goats. That's the separation of the believer and the unbeliever. That's the separation of the saved and the lost. It's a solemn thought. It's part of the promise of that great day. That that separation, my, it's going to be between wives and husbands. It's going to come between parents and children. It's going to come between brothers and sisters. It's going to come between friend and friend. The one shall be taken. The other shall be left. The promise of the Lord's return. The solemn thought. Then I want you to notice with me, secondly, the prophecy of the Lord's return. When you look at verse 44, it says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour, in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Those words there, in such an hour, you see, they're following all that has gone before in chapter 24. And this passage and other such passages would describe the hour. 
The days that are leading up to the Lord's return, the events that are going to take place, everything that's going to unfold as we get closer to that day of the Lord's appearing. And the Lord says, in such an hour. And so he has said certain things in relation to that hour. It would really be a prophecy of what is going to take place. For example, in verse 37, part of our Bible reading, the Lord said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So as the days of Noah were, the days in which lead up to the Lord's return, they're going to be days that are of the same character as the days of Noah. Do you know the days of Noah were days of great wickedness? It repented the Lord that he had made man. And he declared that he was going to destroy man from off the face of the earth. As the days of Noah were. It's likened unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at verse 38, it says, For us... In the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And so there's, I think, a threefold description there in verse 38 of the type of days that it was in the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Yet if you were to read those things without any knowledge of the days of Noah, you would say, well, they're pretty normal things. They're pretty normal everyday things that would take place. But of course, it's actually referring to the abuse of those things, the eating and drinking, the marrying and giving in marriage. It's actually referring to the excessive conduct and the excessive indulgence of all kinds of revelry and immoral behavior. It's the very abuse of these things. Eating, what the Lord's actually referring to there is revelry and gluttony. The drinking, that was drunkenness that the Lord was referring to. The marrying and giving in marriage, that was immorality. And those things were rampant in the days of Noah. And the Lord is saying in the lead up to his return, it's going to be such days of gross wickedness. The degeneracy of society... Times when all the restraints are removed and all the standards of God's word have been cast off. Days whenever governments would struggle even to contain the criminality in society as the days of Noah were in such an hour. In such an hour. The Lord's prophesying of these end times and the signs of the times. You could go way back to the beginning of chapter 24, down to the verse 7. It speaks about wars, words that we're familiar with. And it says there, 
verse 6 actually, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so we can see today the, the frequency of wars and wars that are breaking out and wars that are threatening and the volatility that exists right across the world today. The Lord says it's not, it's not the end yet, but, but it's getting close to it. It's, it's leading up to it. It's coming to that day. When you look there at verse 7, as it goes on, it's speaking here about wonders. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You could go on away down the chapter to the verse 29, and there's going to be wonders in, in the very heavens themselves. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear. So the Lord has given to us here a prophetical word concerning his return. And you could think of world events that cannot be ignored in the light of the prophetical word of Scripture. And there are various key passages in the Word of God that would prophesy of the end times, and our attention would be drawn again and again to Israel. And the focus would turn more and more upon Israel. And there's barely a news bulletin today where the attention of the world would not be drawn to Israel more and more. Why is that? Israel is the place where the Savior was born. Israel's the place where the Savior ministered. Israel's the place where the Savior was crucified. It's the place where he was buried. It's the place where he rose again. It's the place where he ascended into heaven. And it's the place where he's coming back again. Therefore, there's a focus upon that place, the prophetical earth, that area around the Middle East. And in the book of Zechariah and I read a little bit of that verse in Zechariah 14 and the verse 4, but it says there, let me remind you of it again, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And so in Matthew 24, the Lord was sitting on the Mount of Olives and he's answering the question to his disciples about what the sign of his coming would be and of the end of the world. And it's to that very place his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. There shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. 
And so whenever the Lord's foot comes again to stand upon the Mount of Olives, it's going to split. It's going to cleave in the middle. And half the mountain will move to the north and half of it toward the south. The Savior is coming back again to that very place. But in the build-up to that particular time, We know that there's going to be a confederacy of nations that will turn against Israel. Nations shall rise against Israel. And it will seem that Israel is there uh, besieged and they're about to be destroyed. And the forces of Antichrist that feel they're going to wipe them and destroy them off the face of the earth. And then the Lord will intervene. He will intervene on behalf of his ancient people. Therefore, we cannot ignore the prophecy concerning the Lord's return. Then I want you to think thirdly about the preparation for the Lord's return. And that's really the emphasis and the thrust of our text in Matthew 24 and the verse 44. The Savior said, Therefore... Therefore, be ye also ready. And that word, therefore, that actually means on the basis of all that I have been saying, on the ground of the truth that I have set out before you in answer to the question, therefore, in all that has gone before, therefore, What has been said by way of promise, what has been said by way of prophecy, therefore, be ye also ready. Speaking to us about the suddenness of the Lord's coming, about the unexpected nature of the Lord's coming, His return calls for that needed preparation. The example has been given by the apostle, and it has been given here as well by the Lord. The example of the thief. And in verse 43, it says, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Now, if you had a warning, someone gave you some information that there's a thief and they're going to target your house and they're going to come to your house tonight, well, you would be foolish to ignore that warning. Rather, you would want to be ready and you would want to prepare and you would want to somehow thwart the intentions of that thief. The Lord says in verse 42, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. The Lord is saying he's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come suddenly. He's going to come unexpectedly. And the warning is there. He is clearly warned of his coming. He has promised it. He has prophesied of it. And he's saying now, prepare for that. Prepare for that. Therefore, be ye also ready. Prepare to meet thy God. And that preparation 
That preparation requires an acknowledging of sin, an acceptance that we have sinned against a holy and a righteous God and were guilty before him of breaking his commandments. And then coming to confess that sin before the Lord and seeking in repentance a forgiveness for that sin. And asking the Lord to cleanse. To cleanse us from sin in his own precious blood that he shed upon the cross. Preparation. Therefore, be ye also ready. I ask you tonight, are you ready? Have you made that preparation? Can you look to that time in your own life when you came as a sinner to the Savior personally and individually? Are you ready tonight? My, how the Lord could come and our very next breath is not guaranteed. The Lord could take the breath from our body. We could suddenly be ushered out into eternity. We need to be ready. And one day the Lord is going to break through as he comes again, as he has promised and prophesied off. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Have you repented of your sin? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted him as your own and personal saviour? Don't want to go into Matthew 25 tonight. But you would know it speaks to us about the ten virgins. It says five of them were wise. And five of them were foolish. Five were wise because as they waited on the bridegroom to come, they had oil in their lamps. And they were ready for the bridegroom to come. But five were foolish, and they were foolish because they failed to prepare for the coming of the bridegroom. And they were not ready when the bridegroom came. And if you just glanced at one verse in Matthew 25, and it's the verse 10, it says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage. You see how the Savior is emphasizing to us here the need to be ready. Therefore, be ye also ready. You could pray the very quietness and stillness of your heart this evening, even right now, then, O oh my Lord, prepare my soul for that great day. O oh, wash me in thy precious blood and take, and take my sins away. May God bless his word to every heart, and may we each be ready to meet the Lord. We're going to sing.